If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Very familiar uh, Christmas story. But uh, I believe this story shows true worship and also shows the wrong reasons to worship. And uh, we want to say that wise men still seek God or the King. Amen. Thank the Lord that uh, people have enough wisdom to come to the Lord. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make to be saved but also to follow the Lord and crown Him as Lord of your life. And uh, we need to seek Him with all our hearts and all our soul and all our minds. You know, the Bible tells us, and I'll try to end with this verse, um, that we ought to seek the, when we seek the Lord with all our heart, uh, we'll, we'll find Him. And, uh, you know, I believe that we're guilty sometimes of coming to a service to get over it or just to leave. We come to leave, and we don't come really to worship God with all that's within us. And I believe the wise men show us uh, a great picture of how to worship. And Herod shows a terrible picture of how a lot of people worship. And so we're going to deal with that just a little bit in Matthew chapter 2. And I appreciate all of you being here. I know it's a busy time of the year, but I want to tell you something. The Lord deserves first place and every day of the year, amen, and especially this time, aren't you glad he came to you when you couldn't come to him, and if he hadn't come to you, there wouldn't be any heaven, there wouldn't be any uh, uh, peace and comfort when we say good, good night to our loved ones, uh, it's a wonderful privilege to be on the way to heaven, and we ought to thank God for that, and I'm amazed at the grace of God uh, that's given people in recent days uh, in their last days on this earth, the grace of God is so wonderful. Matthew chapter 2, and uh, we'll read verses 1 through 12 of Matthew chapter 2. And I hope all of you got your Bibles. I want you to follow along very closely tonight. And um, we're going to just um, uh, try to be as brief as we can. But I want to be as thorough as I might on this passage. The Bible says, so let's stand on the Word of God, please. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, he was wicked. He killed his loved ones out of jealousy. Killed several of his ex-wives. He was just a heathen. And behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Some say it was Arabia. Some said it was uh, Persia. Some said it was in, they came all the way from India. We don't know, but it was out east. It was from the east. And it was a long way. It took him three or four years to get there. And he's saying, Where is he that is born of the king of Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. You ought to underline that word, worship him. I hope you that's why you're here. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded them where Christ should be born. And he said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, and it shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, when you have found him, bring me word again, and I may come and worship him also. And when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star 
uh, which they saw in the east went before them till he came and stood over where the young child was. Notice it was a young child by then. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. That ought to be the spirit of Christmas. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they, they presented to him the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for the wonderful reading of the scriptures and the songs. Uh, thank you, Lord, for uh, everyone here to, tonight. Lord, it's only by the grace of God that we're well enough to be in the house of God. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep this congregation safe. And Lord, that we'd have a wonderful week uh, worshiping the King. Lord, help us to realize and recognize what true worship is tonight. And God, may we have the true spirit of Christmas, which is the Holy Spirit, in our hearts. And Lord, as you make Jesus real, and God, as you remind us of the, of the righteousness that comes only by your blood, may God, we be thankful that we're here tonight to worship you in spirit and in truth. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do in and through this service and this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, wasn't that a blessing to have the reading of the scripture by a little one? And I'm, I apologize for that mic falling down like that. That distracted her a little bit. But it had an orange ring around it that reminds me of the University of Tennessee, and that's why it was drooping. But anyway, um, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, thank God she went on anyway and read it, and that was a good, good song. And that's what that's what Christmas is all about, children worshiping God. Amen? Amen. But, you know, many people are bowing to the kings and kingdoms of this world. Uh, I believe it's dangerous to man worship. I believe it's dangerous to have too many heroes in this world because God is the only one that deserves worship. Some people literally worship ball players, politicians, and even Hollywood stars. And I don't know why they call them stars. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to worship God. We need to worship Him with all our heart and all our soul. We need to worship Him as um, grateful sinners saved by the grace of God. Where would you be today if it wasn't for the grace of God? I'll tell you where you'd be. You'd be on the highway to hell. And you would have no purpose. You'd have no peace. You'd have, you'd have no uh, uh, divine purpose in your, in your life and you'd just be marking the calendar to the next Christmas and be discontent with what you got. But folks, when Jesus, we have everything we need. I want you to see several things about this encounter. First of all, I want you to see a conversation with a king. Not the king, but a king. In verses 1 through 8, we see that, um, number one, he was disturbed in his soul. The King Herod represents uh, some who say they want to worship the king, but actually they're seeking God for the wrong reason. They're seeking God for what they can get out of him, or they're seeking God to keep him in his place so they can crown themselves as their own God. Herod was wicked, but it's wicked not to worship God 
And it's wicked not to give God the worth that He deserves as King of kings and Lord of lords. It's wicked not to praise God for every breath, every heartbeat, and every step because they're an individual blessing from God. Say amen. And you that's been sick lately, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a subtle reminder we never know when God's going to take that health away from us. So we ought to praise God that we can smile tonight. We ought to praise God that we can shout tonight. Uh, we ought to praise God that we can smile and help somebody even socially distant and encourage somebody else. But folks, he was disturbed in his soul. I'll tell you why. Verse 3 says, When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Folks, when you're a king in your own domain, you're troubled when somebody tries to intercede in your dominion. And folks, he was troubled by real worshipers. He was troubled and disturbed, agitated, uh, because there was somebody getting more attention than him. Uh, He needed to decrease that God could increase. He needed to be humble, and he will be. But I want to tell you something, friend. It takes a humble person to to, uh, bow before a living God and say, hey, I'm not my own God. I just um, read the title of an article somebody sent me, and it's here on my iPad, but I didn't get a chance to read it. But an 83-year-old man was beat to death in the hospital because he wanted to pray by a younger patient, I believe. And that happened this afternoon, according to Fox News. And Fox News is the real news, amen. But, uh, you know, and uh, uh, you know, and that's so sad. Here's a guy who wanted to pray, and it disturbed the guy so much. I believe it was out in California, wasn't it? That doesn't surprise me. Out in California, and they beat, they beat him to death because he wanted to pray. Folks, we live in a wicked day. We live in an anti-Christ spirit day. We live in perilous times, and we live in the last days. I believe the Lord could come any minute. I believe he could come. I believe the trumpet of God could sound, and maybe this pandemic of all this this year. Who would have ever thought in March that we'd be entering all this stuff? I mean, you know, in January we had no clue that we'd have such a year. But I want to tell you something: in such a year, people have been saved, and such a year as good families have joined our church. In such a year, God has kept our church together for the most part, and thank God we're still here. Amen. And thank the Lord for that. So, uh, folks, our life should trouble people. We ought, to, we ought to be a disturber, not on purpose, but we ought to realize that a holy life disturbs the unholy. And then number two, we see he was dominating in his spirit. Uh, this a king was not the king. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. That's just like a, a prideful soul that demands God, that uses God, that tries to get everything they want out of God. God's not our grocery boy. God owns it all. And God is Lord. And he thought he could rule these wise men and likewise rule God. He thought he could rule God. What what a prideful soul this guy had to be. And then we see that he had a deceiving supplication. Uh, Here's the request in verse 8. He said that, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. He had no inclination to worship God because he was too full of himself and too prideful to worship the living God because he wanted to worship. And so we see a disturbed soul. We see a dominating spirit. And we see a deceiving supplication. 
And folks, I want you to know this, that I believe it's a subtle reminder that a lot of times we put too much trust in men. We put too much trust in people that are in leadership. And folks, it's only by the grace of God that we've had any space of grace in the last four years. And I thank God for it and all that's been accomplished. And uh, thank the Lord for our religious freedom, which could be eroded very soon. But I thank God for leaders that know their place. Folks, God, this is God's church. And this should be God's nation. Amen. And folks, God help us if we think any solution is going to come through man and through the Supreme Court and through the President and through Congress and through, through the Senate. Folks, our help cometh from above. And we need to humble ourselves and our leaders need to humble themselves. Righteousness exalts the nation, but sin is reproach to any people. Now, I want to tell you something. When the sinful in rule, there is chaos and there is no peace. And then second of all, I want you to see the confrontation with this king. In verse 9, the Bible says, When they had heard the king, um, they departed. And lo, the star, when they saw in the east, went before them. Can you imagine that? A star leading. My wife and I were looking for the star uh, on the way to the church. I actually drove better looking up, you know. But anyway, and um, I said, I think it's too cloudy for this star watching. But it's supposed to be between 6 and 7. You can see Jupiter and Saturn lined up. And uh, the, the, the um, guy on Fox said it was going to be 500 miles away from each other and it's just going to be great. And he missed it by a little bit. It was 500 million miles, I think it was, that it would be apart. But, folks, there was a star, like all the stars we're looking at for the next 10 or 15 days. And this star was moving because this star belonged to God. And God was leading these wise men based on the Word of God from east, and these wise men were wise enough to truly seek the Lord and truly worship the King. As Brother Lancaster said, uh, to seek His face is to turn your face towards God. We need to turn our face to God. We need to turn from our wicked ways, number one. We need to seek His face. Folks, we need to seek His glory. Wise men still seek God. So they rejoiced in His presence. Number one, you ought to be rejoicing tonight for his presence. I sensed his presence when those little children up here singing. Amen? I mean, it was a wonderful blessing to sing these Christmas carols that sometimes we can't remember or we don't want to sing. And folks, some of, you, some of us just become scrooges around Christmas. Amen? Don't lose the Christmas spirit. And here it is in verse 10. It says, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When the Bible uses the word exceeding, it is, it is beyond description how, how joyful they were. And then they said exceeding great joy. That reminds me of Ephesians where it says that we have the exceeding promises of God and the exceeding power of God. And it excels any power and any promises that any man can make. And so thank God they rejoiced in His presence. And the reason they rejoiced in His presence, they took Numbers 24, 17 at face value and followed the star. They put, they put prophecy, they put feet on their prophecy. It's one thing to believe Jesus is coming. It's another thing to let it affect your behavior. 
And I want to tell you that some of the doctrine of the second coming will change your life more than any doctrine in the Bible. If you could believe he would, if you believe that he could come any minute, it'll change your worship right now and your attention to this Bible. And folks, you won't just go through a little Christmas service so you can get to the Walmart. Praise God, you will, you will worship God because you'll literally believe these are the words of God that's being uh, announced to you and pronounced to you. It's powerful. Whereas a little girl reading or a preacher reading it, it's powerful. It's the Word of God. And folks, the Word of God ought to be a lamp in our feet and a light in our path, and it ought to lead us in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I can't believe this year's gone. And, you know, to some of us, it's been a very long year, especially if you're in uh, solitary confinement. I can't imagine being in prison, can you? Uh, that would be long days and long nights and long months and long years. Stay free, amen? But I want to tell you something, friend. It's been a long year, but in essence, you look back, it hadn't been that long. Through all that we went through, all the things and all... You know, whether we're going to have service this Sunday or not, and whether we're going to just broadcast the service, uh, you know, who's going to get sick next, and all kinds of stuff going on in the midst of trying to worship God. But I want to tell you something, it's been a very good year. And I rejoice in it. I rejoice, number one, that I'm saved and that God's still on the throne. Amen. And folks, in his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Psalm 1611. Thank God. Folks, listen, when they came into his presence, he was enough. Now, I want to tell you what will you, make you joyful, whether you get anything you want or, or, or you get the very present that you want, is his presence, his presence. I'm looking forward to Thursday. It'll be our traditional lasagna, and that's enough for me. Well, not really, but, I mean, it, it could be enough for me. I love lasagna. I love the way my wife makes it. She makes it with real meat. I mean, a lot of meat. One time I got a hold of this vegetable lasagna, I thought I was going to get sick. I said, this is not lasagna. But folks, listen, we take for granted having an appetite. One of the worst things about COVID-19 is when you lose your appetite. Say amen right there, brother. Uh, I mean, that is the worst part. The smell's not, uh, you lose your sense of smell, that's not so bad in this stinking world. But I won't tell you, when you lose your appetite, it's bad. You been there, Brother Underwood? Oh, you hadn't? Okay. I thought you'd had it. Amen. That's the only reason I let you pray a second. But anyway, uh, thank God. Thank God. Only kidding. Thank God for an appetite. For God. Thank God you wanted to be here tonight. Thank God this young gentleman couldn't make it to his service up in northern Catoosa County. And I don't know where he lives. He might live next door, I don't know. But uh, he wanted to be in the church somewhere and asked his pastor for a recommendation. And, and uh, Brother Gasway said, are you preaching tonight? I said, no, I'm just pussyfooting around. I Just tell him to come on anyway, amen. But thank God that somebody wants to be in the house of God. That honors God. You honoring God tonight by your worship, by your enthusiasm, by your response. And folks, we ought to be exceedingly Thankful for his exceeding precious promises and his exceeding power towards us. What is that power? It's the power of the resurrection. Folks, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So don't say you can't serve God. Say you won't. 
Don't say you can't overcome your little habit. Say you won't because there is power within you to overcome because he is the overcomer. And folks, our faith with his overcoming spirit is enough. And so they exceedingly rejoice. I'll tell you why. They found him as a little boy in a carpenter shop. How about that? He's not in the manger. It's unscriptural to put the uh, the wise men at the manger. I was going to make sure we didn't have that down there. But, you know, I understand. And if it's close to the manger, we're not going to stow the ceramic out the back door. God help you. You know, we get all upset about little things. Amen. But, you know, they were really three years away when he was in the manger. And they, t- they had a long, hard journey. They probably went around the desert, over the mountains, and folks, they had a lot of stuff with them. And we're not sure it was just three. It could have been 33 wise men. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where it says three wise men. Three gifts. But you know something, if I was carrying as much gold as they was carrying, I'd have me a whole caravan, amen? <laughs> I'd have me some bodyguards and protection. So we don't know how many wise men they were, but I'll tell you what, they were wise because they sought God. They loved God. They heeded God's word. I want to tell you something. I'm so thrilled that there's 13 folks that signed up for the FBI, faithful Bible investigators, and want a Bible degree, a college Bible degree. That's more important than any degree you'll ever have. And folks, I want to tell you something. It's going to be hard every week for three hours. It's going to be hard for you to be faithful. Um, Some of y'all promised God that when you got out of school, you'd never study again. (laughs) Go back on that promise, amen. Get to studying again. Become students again. You don't know what God has in store for you. But I know one thing he's got in store for you. If you'll seek him through the study, you'll find him. You'll enjoy his presence. And God will use you because he always uses a vessel full of the Word and the Spirit. And then they relinquish their position. On this confrontation, they rejoiced in His presence, verse 10. But in verse 11, they relinquish their position, which is hard for a lot of us to do. Look at verse 11, please. It says, And when they were come into the house. Did you see that? They came into the house. That little old fellow was about three or four years old, but he wasn't just a little fella. He was God Almighty. I'll never forget when I went up to uh, Highland Park. You know, it don't even exist now. Isn't that sad? Thousands and thousands and thousands of people were sent out of there on the mission field. Dr. Lee Robinson came here every year of his life uh, in his older age. He preached our uh, 12th anniversary and on through. It was a special guest. And now the church don't even exist. But I'll never forget, I went up there one time for a Christmas play. I figured they'd do it good, and they did it good. And, buddy, I'm going to tell you something. They had those kings come down that aisle, and they had that train that filled the temple. I mean, it was long, and, I mean, it was glowing, and, I mean, one of them was black, and one of them was Indian, and one of them was this, and one of them was that. One of them was real, looked real astute. He had no hair. Just as slick, bald as you could be. But I, I, and then they had the crowns on, and then they played this glorious song. And then you looked up on the stage, and there was a little boy. 
standing on a carpenter's stool. And he was Jesus. <laughs> Y'all don't like plays, but I love it. And they, they, they all come down with this great orchestra and, you know, those big old drums, not those little snare drums. I mean, those big old kettle drums. Boom, boom. I mean, it was something else. I surprised they didn't have flares and smoke going off and everything else. I mean, do it big, Highland Park. And they worship the little boy. But he wasn't just a little boy. He was God in flesh. Amen. And Joseph and Mary, they were probably sitting in the back of that carpenter shop saying, Good night. What are they doing? And God was financing the escape from Bethlehem to get them out of the clutches of Herod with the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. And so they relinquished their position. It says in verse 11, it says, And when they were coming to the house and saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down. Notice those two words, fell down. And worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, they proceeded, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The little boy's in the house, but he's not a little boy. He's God wrapped up in a little boy's flesh. They humbled themselves. And you know, I love James chapter 4, and I read them often because I love, I love to claim this chapter for my little old life. But the Bible says in James chapter 4, if you'll turn with me please in closing. My time's up, but I sat on myself so you could still make it to Walmart. No, not really. But look at verse 7, James chapter 4. It says, oh, we got to back, we got to, you know, 7 would be fine. No, we got to back up to verse 6. But he giveth more grace. How many need more grace tonight, Amen. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, Herod, but giveth grace unto the who? Humble. Do you need God tonight? Do you sense your need for God? Stop shaking your fist at God and say you don't need God because when you do, He might take that breath and that strength to shake that fist whirl at God away. God knows how to humble you. Say amen. If you don't humble yourself, you're in bad shape. Submit yourselves therefore unto God. Number one, resist the devil. Number two, submission to God is a must to resist the devil. Because if you don't submit to God, you have no power to resist the devil. And he will flee from you. I love it when God runs from Jesus in me. But I hate it when my flesh is overcome by the, by the devil. It says, draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaven is humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. I don't know about you, but I needed that this year. I mean, it started off as a normal year. 
And then Brother Larry died suddenly. I little did I know that, that we'd say goodbye to some of the dearest members in our church. And some of the dearest family members you have. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. We can stay down if we want to. We can stay depressed if we want to. And we can abnormally grieve if we want to. And I believe in grieving and I believe in tears. At my daddy's funeral, the preacher preached against tears. And I thought, my word. I'll cry for my daddy if I want to. Because I didn't have a daddy but for seven years because of alcohol and being lost. Tears are like a pop-off valve on a hot water heater. Praise God, he gives you tears. Amen. When's the last time you showed any emotion? You shouldn't restrain it. Unemotional people are full of ulcers. Did you know that? <laughs> Amen. But people that are in emotion, they just give everybody else emotions. I mean ulcers. Amen. But I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible promises you. The Bible promises you he'll lift you up. But I'll tell you how he'll lift you up. Because you bow first at his feet. That's the only way he'll lift you up. Because he can reach you then if you're close. When he disciplines you, like I said many times, and the uh, friendship class gave me 153 BBs. I got it at my office. It says 153. That's what I shot my window out with when I was a rebellious kid. Bubby put me up to it. He's in heaven now, I hope. His godson called me uh, the other day. Name's Wayne. Named him after me. I can't believe anybody be named after my name. And uh, I'll pray for Wayne. He's a casino dealer out in Las Vegas, and uh, he says he loves the Lord. Hope when he hits the jackpot, he'll send a little tide this way. No, not really. I'm only, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. You can do it anonymously. But anyway. I'm praying for him. My own godson. He's a black jack dealer, I guess what you call I don't know what they're called. Friendliest guy you'll ever meet. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. He even said, you know, we need to pray for a humbling. Las Vegas has gone crazy as far as politics is concerned. Folks, we need to humble ourselves. Some people think the only way to get up is push, push somebody else down i never seen such mud slinging. It used, in the old days, you wouldn't have to mud sling. You just stood on what you believed. Amen? Oh, God, give us another Ronald Reagan. Praise God. But I want you to see something in closing. They recognized his preeminence. They relinquished their position. But here's the main thing about worship. Who is God to you? Who is God to you? Well, they recognized, number one, he's king of kings and lord of lords because they crowned him with gold. Look at it. It says, and they presented to him gifts, gold. Gold is a, is a symbol of crowning someone as king of your life. It was an insult to go into the presence of, king, of a king without presenting him a gift of gold. That's why all the kings got rich. And then they presented him Frankincense. And folks, the Bible says in frankincense is a is it was a a 
ointment that became a perfume that was presented to priests as they prayed. And they would offer frankincense. And so they realized he was the high priest. These kings crowned him as king, but they worshipped him as the priest, the high priest. That's why no man should get your worship. And no man should be your interceder. And no lady should be your intercessor. We preached on that Sunday. And then myrrh. And this is the most beautiful picture. The myrrh was a sedative on the cross of Calvary. Mark 15, verse 23, they offered him myrrh and he refused it. He would not be sedated while he offered his being for you. He wanted to be alert to what he was doing to the last minute that he could commend his spirit unto the Lord. But also myrrh was used as an embalming fluid. And so it represents not only the cross, but they recognized some way, somehow they found out that uh, he was going to die, but he was going to be buried, and up from the grave he would arise. And so they worshipped him as a Savior. But not just a Savior, but the Savior. Now folks, that's enough. If you get over your salvation, you have lost your worship. I mean, every day of your life, somehow, some way, you ought to thank God for your salvation. You should be so thankful that you're going to heaven and not hell. And so thankful that you have the purpose and power of God in your life and even the presence of God through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to go through a time like we've been through. And folks, there's a lot of this world that's been through it all their life. They've known nothing but sickness and nothing but sorrow and nothing but bad health and nothing about, they've known nothing but sin and debauchery and darkness. They've lived in it and they've never seen the light because nobody's ever took the gospel to them. And so they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. They offered him his time, some three or four years traveling they offered him his talents. These were, these were magi. They were kings. And they said, I'm giving that up. And they offered him treasures. But I want to show one more thing in verse 12 they offered him. We'll go. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. Now, if that verse doesn't remind you of 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you've overlooked it. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, is a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things come to you. When you get saved, you are on another road. You live another life. You have a different appetite, a different altitude, a different attitude. I mean, you're just different. And folks, don't tell me you can meet the Savior and never be changed. Repentance is, an, is, is a necessity in salvation. But folks, when you meet God... It's like running head on into somebody. You know you've done it. And I've asked many people, have you said, well, I think so. Well, I'm working on it. Well, I hope so. Well, they misunderstand. Salvation is not a purpose or a plan. It is a person. The Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, they gave them the gift of their life. They never were the same. They did not return to the devil of this world. 
the flesh of this world, the pride of this world. They walked another way. They were separated, obedient to the promptings of God. They were sanctified, forsook the world, but they were satisfied, secure, and safe. Wise men still seek God. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 through 13 is our verses for tonight to close. I'm telling you, the great joy, it'll, trans, it'll transcend what you're going through. Great joy. It transcends happiness because that's based on happiness. But Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God's speaking now. He's thinking towards you. Aren't you glad you're in God's thoughts? When he was on the cross, you were on his mind, as that old gospel song said. Saith the Lord, for I know thy thoughts that think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. Verse 11. And verse 12 of Jeremiah 29 says this, Then shall ye call upon me, and shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. I want to ask you a question. Has God ever answered a prayer in your life? If you're saved, he answered a prayer. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save my unworthy soul. Take me out of this bondage called life. God answered that prayer. And I believe God's answered thousands of prayers since then. Amen. But look at verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your these wise men sought the Lord with all their heart, all their time, all their talents, all their treasure, and all their life. They never were the same. When you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same, and you never want to be the same. Let me close by saying this. Your half-hearted worship is not going to get it done. Your half-hearted offerings are not going to get it done. You cannot tip God. You must trust God. You cannot say, God, this is my life because it's not. It's His life. And folks, some people get offended when the preacher preaches on tithing. What if we preach on 100%? God wants 100%. God wants every thought. God wants every day. God wants every penny. And then He allows us to keep some to... to to be a blessing to others. God wants every day of your life, every second of your life, every heartbeat of your life, and he deserves it. Wise men and ladies and boys and girls still seek God. Father, use the message. Thank you, dear God, for this time of worship. God, remind us. We get caught up in all the frills and tinsels of this, of this season that you are the reason that we have Christmas. Lord, I'm sorry for all the abuse. And I'm sorry for all the materialism. I'm sorry for all the folklore and the make-believe that distracts from your birth, your perfect life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, 
and your soon coming. God, help us have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year as we seek you with all our heart. God, we got to take some rest and live by faith. God, we got to step out by faith. We got to give up some things by faith. Lord, we need to crown you as king, as the high priest of our life, and most indeed the Savior and Lord of our life. Please, Lord, help us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, on this Christmas week, has God spoken to your heart? Has God spoken to your heart? I don't know about you, but God's blessed my life. I can't believe next year, 2021, I'll be 70 years old. I cannot believe that. Where is my life gone? I'll tell you where it's gone. It's gone for God, and I love it, and I do it again. And the only regret I have is I didn't have more faith, as Dr. Lee Robinson said. God bless you with many years? Yes. Does God bless you with children? Yes. Does God bless you with a roof over your head? A family? A job? Some people don't have a job. I see homeless people walking down the streets of Dalton all the time with nothing. Hardly a bicycle to ride. Does God bless you with peace? Does God bless you with a good marriage? God bless you with a calling, a purpose to represent Him and be a witness. God bless you with friends. God bless you with an opportunity to be a witness, a servant. I'll tell you what He has. I'll tell you what we ought to do. We ought to have a celebration time this Christmas of all His blessings. And most indeed, the blessing of His presence. Let me say, preacher, during this Christmas service God has reminded me how blessed I am God has reminded me how saved I am <laughs> Amen. and how forgiven I am and I just want to give more of my life to seeking God's will for my life and being faithful and that's your prayer tonight would you slip your hand up high for prayer i got to raise mine Amen. Father I pray, dear God, you'd use this message and thank you, God, for your word that's powerful. Our preaching might not be powerful. Our illustrations might not be powerful. But God, if we just show up and listen to a little one read the word of God, it's powerful. Oh, it's powerful. Thank you, dear God, that you recorded what was ungodly worship versus godly worship. God, help us never to be guilty of manipulating or trying to use you. God, may we be found guilty of giving our entire life for your glory, your honor, and the furtherance of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray.